So welcome to the first episode of the World Coffee Championships podcast series. Today we are exploring a story of cup tasters, and I'm joined by someone you may have seen before. Hello, everybody. I'm Gloria Pedrosa. Gloria, tell me, where are you right now? Because this is a COVID recording setup, like I'm going to do with all the co-hosts. Well, I'm based in Switzerland in a small town called Zug, in the German-speaking part of Switzerland. Zug. I live in Berlin, and Zug is train in German. I know it's a funny name. Describe Zug. What's Zug like? Well, Zug is a tiny town, but it has a beautiful lake where you can see the mountains. Amazing. Gloria, tell us, what's your story? I have worked my whole life in the quality as a cup taster. I started my career in Guatemala, where I was born. And then I came to Switzerland. Just shortly after I came, I won the World Cup Tasters Championship in 2006. That allowed me to get involved into different other activities, like judging. So I am a WC sensory judge. So James, you're going to be the co-host of the next uh, six episodes of this series. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us who are you? I'm a coffee professional, Italian-Australian. I have worked in coffee since 2015. I've managed wholesale departments for specialty coffee roasters, done sales. And these days I'm a podcast producer. And I have my own coffee podcast called Filter Stories. But most importantly, I have helped organize the coffee championships at a national level in Australia. And I was even a backstage manager a couple of times at the World Barista Championships. So I like that five. And for this episode about cup tasters, I want to start with the sounds when you're there in the audience and watching the announcements. I'd love to hear that. But before that, we should thank the sponsors. Okay. So, the World Coffee Championships podcast series is supported by Victoria Arduino. Victoria Arduino advances coffee knowledge and innovates across design, technology, and performance to produce machines that nurture coffee professionals' passion for espresso excellence. You can learn more at victoriaarduino.com or give them a follow at victoriaarduino1905. And today's specific episode on the World Cup Tasters Championship is supported by Da Vinci Gourmet. You can follow them on Instagram at davincigourmet underscore Europe or by searching the hashtag WeAreDaVinciGourmet. It's a yes so Gloria, imagine this. You're there at Cup Tasters and they're lifting up the cups and saying, you know, this person got it right, this person got it wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting, yeah? But you know what's funny? I thought to myself, what would happen if someone was to hear they're screaming and shouting as the results are announced, but I didn't tell them what was happening and they only heard it. <laughs> yeah. So one day what I did was I went down to my local park here in Berlin and I played people audio from the Cup Tasters winners announcements. And what did they say? Hi, excuse me. Um, I'm a radio producer and I'm going around asking everyone to play a very silly game where I have 20 seconds of audio in my speaker. Yeah. And I'm just asking people to guess what's happening in the audio. Would All you right. like to play? We're in. Are you okay with me getting a bit closer? Yes. So I'm going to do seven, cup seven for Josh first. It's a no. There's a lot of public and they're very excited. There's a word in English. French? <laughs> Concours. A competition. A competition between yes. a, a, a competition of I don't know what. It's a dog show. It sounds more like UK bingo game. Everyone got six cups right now. 
It's a strip show <laughs> with cops, with cops as strippers. <laughs> Could be a live sex show even. I have no idea. She's marriage going crazy. contest. A marriage contest. Marriage contest. She said yes. Oh, like, like she said yes. I'm like, you know, will you marry me? Yeah. Yeah. Josh. It's a yes for Josh. Okay. Don't know. All right. Give up. Yeah. It's a coffee competition. A what? A coffee competition? Yeah, it's a coffee competition. Uh, how can you make a coffee drinking competition? Like, who drinks the fastest? Or <laughs> <laughs> no. So you have uh, eight sets of coffee. And in each set, you have three cups. Two are the same, one is different. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think all people that is not involved in, industry, in this industry, they might, they think that we are crazy. <laughs> Maybe we are crazy. <laughs> are we crazy? I think we're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, imagine, didn't you play them the sounds of someone slurping? Because I think that would have been oh. much far more fun. Ah, <laughs> that would have been great. Because I learned that that's what the first competition actually sounded like. Do you know who initiated these competitions? Uh, I think we both know who that was. A man called Alf Kramer. Yes, yes, Alf Kramer. So I spoke with him and I learned that the first competition wasn't even called Cup Tasters. How was it called? The Cupping Competition. Oh. Let's hear what Alf has to say. My name is Alf Kramer. I am the founder of the Specialty Coffee Association of Europe. The story of the cupping competition goes back to Monte Carlo in the late 90s. We lined up 12 coffees, asked people to taste and tell us what is what. Simple as that. And it was a total failure. It was coffees from all over the world. The failure was that most of the people were familiar with their own coffees or with blends. They have never even tasted coffee from, let's say, Uganda before. So they could, no way they could identify it. At the spectator's point, it was extremely boring. It's like you're looking at people drinking 12 coffees after each other, and then they have to wait for the next taster. So after a couple of years, we simply changed the event as such. So I had some um, experience in sensory training, not just from coffee, but also from other products. In sensory training, the main thing is using a triangle test, two identical cups and one is different. And that was actually directly transferable to a competition arena. Good morning, everybody there in the crowd. You are now watching three of the most celebrated cup tasters on the globe. So I've been used to being an MC in a lot of things. So I transferred that into coffee. And the idea is to make it exciting and to tell what's going on from Guatemala. Do you have any fans here in the crowd, any supporters, people? Can I have some applause? Yeah! The reaction was excitement and a full audience. And then you take the two competitors forward with one cup each in the hand and ask them to lift and have a countdown. And after the countdown, lift the cup 
and then you see that one of them is a winner. Then uh, you discover suddenly that the best copper never wins. The best copper that day always wins. If you master your nerves, which is fair enough. That's what real life is like. That's real life. That's real life. I mean, you know, on one hand, I have to, I confirm that Alf was uh, successful with the new version of the competition because it uh, keeps your attention. Huh? Mm -hmm. And if you check all the rules and regulations of this competition, this is the one that has had less changes throughout the last years. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. And what he says about the, who, who wins the competition is the best copper that day just makes me remind on how I prepared for the competition. Oh, really? Yes, yes. I really did a intensive training for that. <laughs> Tell me, what, what does that look like? So I remember here we had like three, four runs per day for two months before the World Championship. I was here practicing with my colleagues and they were, the whole office was there, <laughs> like cheering up and making noise, trying to distract me so that I learned to focus. Oh my goodness. That's such a level of commitment. That's a, this is a team effort. Yes, I did that. <laughs> and you mentioned that the rules haven't really changed very much since they came out. So I want to take you to a specific rule. So I'm just flipping now to page nine. Here, look at this. There's this rule here that reads, competitors must taste at least two of the three cups to determine the odd one out. Yes, you know, I mean, it seems or for some it's like obvious that if it's a cup tasting championship, then you have to taste. Right. <laughs> but if you don't have very specific rules, then participants uh, can use the gray areas and overwrite a little bit what it says. Okay. So, Gloria, I have a story about a time in 2011 mm -hmm. where someone played in that gray area with cup tasters. And I spoke with Kim Stalman, a volunteer who was there. Okay, I'm curious what happened. <laughs> uh, so my name is Kim Stalman and I work for the SCA as the community manager. So in 2011, a uh, world of coffee took place in Maastricht, uh, which is uh, a city in the south of the Netherlands. Annemarie Timmers, who was the national coordinator at that time, she said, Kim, if you want to be a coffee professional, you need to volunteer at one of these events. And it's coming to our country, so you have to go. So I volunteered as someone behind the scenes at Cup Tasters. I was one of the, the runners who get to walk around with all the cups and put them in the right place on a stage. I remember there was like a lot of energy in the air and a lot of focus and people being quite stressed. I remember seeing this one competitor and yeah, it's, it definitely, it seemed like they weren't tasting the coffees. They were sort of skimming over the cups and looking at them and then maybe smelling some and tasting some others, but not what you would normally see is tasting each flight and then making a decision and maybe going back and tasting again. So when the competitor had realized that they'd won, 
all the supporters went crazy, the competitor went crazy, and he was running over the stage and screaming and standing on the table and thanking God, I believe, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone backstage was a little bit in shock and we're all looking at each other like, what is going on? Like, is this real? Is this even allowed? I think the competitors were also a little bit shocked and probably a bit sad because it doesn't seem like this is the main aim of the competition, just uh, being able to visually distinguish one cup from the other. I believe that one of the changes they made to the competition after this incident was make the cups black on the inside, so it's much more difficult to see the color of the coffee liquid. So after I volunteered in Maastricht, I think I was even more passionate about the whole coffee scene because I'd met wonderful people. Um, I started working as a trainer for the company I was working for at the time. And after that, I became a manager there. And I also moved to London at some point to work in coffee. And then now, many, many years later, I work for the SCA. And now I've gotten to the point where I sometimes lead the volunteers at these shows. I remember before that happened in, in Maastricht, there was a similar, similar situation in the championship in 2010 in London. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, well, because there was one guy that was also just smelling the coffee and just uh -huh. tasting one cup of each set. So this was a, this was a worldwide problem. It was a worldwide problem, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about like cup tasters across the world because, you know, it's happening in London, it's happening, but also in many other countries and also in coffee producing countries. Yeah, I mean, I really like the competition a lot because probably it's the, the simplest uh, competition. I mean, you don't need any equipment, so it's just about your skills, the individual skills. So that opens the door for many other people to participate and be part of the community, you know? Yeah, right. right. And, you know, cup tasting has been a very important profession in origin countries because uh, they produce coffee. So the cup tasters, the, the cuppers, they are the ones evaluating the quality. So I have also observed that in the recent years, we have more and more coppers from producing countries participating at the World Cup Tasting Championship. This activity has more relevance for producing countries, I, I believe, yeah, because of what they do, farming and checking the quality of the, of the raw products. Mm -hmm. I remember when I started cupping, I mean, actually, nobody really cared <laughs> about, right, that, really. Yeah, about that profession or it was maybe not even seen as a profession, you know? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, and now they are really appreciated. Eh? Speaking of appreciation, I spoke with a man from Colombia, Jose Joaquin Ordonez, about that country's first big national proper cup tasters event. Is he a, also a producer? He is a producer. He was a son of a coffee grower. That's uh, really awesome. And what I was told, the cup tasting competition he participated in in 2015 it was huge. This was a party and everyone in coffee in Colombia was invited. Wow, for the national competition. Uh-huh. Wow. Eh, mi nombre es José Joaquín Ordóñez. Vengo pues del municipio de Pitalito, corregimiento de Bruselas. My name is Sebastián Diácono eh, and I will be translating for José Joaquín. 
I was born in Bruselas, Pitalito, Huila, Colombia. I'm a proud son of a coffee grower. My dad has been a coffee grower his whole life. Bueno, antes de del campeonato y antes de estar en en un laboratorio. Before the contest, I wouldn't say that I wasn't happy because I'm a happy person, <laughs> but I wasn't really in love being a coffee grower. And I think that's a thing that every son or daughter of a coffee grower could say, you know, because usually we learned that from our parents or our grandfathers, and we have seen how they have struggled so much, and we don't want that. I wanted to be an engineer, I wanted to go to university and study and be something different. But due economic reason, I had to start working. Antes de entrar al concurso de catadores, venía trabajando ya en laboratorio como... So I started as a lab assistant in some companies here in Pitalito. So I started to realize that I was, I was good in capping, that I have some abilities in making profiles for the cap. When I went, cap tester in Colombia. It was mostly to compete with myself. I got there, it's a big venue in Bogotá. I wasn't that nervous at first, it was more than excitement. But when you get on stage, it's like the worst feeling, like nervous, your hands are shaking, and you see next to you, and you see the other person the same as you. <laughs> En ese momento, la única persona que estaba conmigo era mi madre. But the funny thing is that uh, the only person with, with me was my mom. Of course, at that time, like capping in Colombia or specialty coffee scene wasn't that strong. So I called my mom and said like, hey, I just passed the first round. And she was like, ah, oh, okay, like good for you. But she didn't understand like really good how important that was for our industry. Every round, I told her, like, mom, I did it, I did it, and she was, of course, it's my mom excited, but I knew that she didn't understand. When I won, everyone's like crazy, and everyone wanted to take a picture with me. I felt like a celebrity, it was, I don't know, so weird. But then I called my mom and said like, hey mom, I won. And she was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> it was like a small contest with friends maybe, you know? And when I came back to my town, my small town in Bruselas, and I remember my dad was looking at the paper, the biggest paper in our region said like, okay, Huila, which is our region, has the best copper in Colombia. And my dad was like, hmm, so, I guess that this kid actually did something great in Bogotá. So, even for my family, it wasn't that big of a deal, but for the industry was. So, it's like that gap between the specialty coffee and the consuming part at that time was big. Right now, it's getting thinner and thinner. 
Bueno, para mí ese día que me gané el campeonato realmente fue algo maravilloso. It was crazy. I could say it was the, the best thing that ever happened in my professional life because I was a lab assistant and I won it and now everyone wanted to talk with me, work with me, coffee exporters, growers, companies that manufacture coffee equipment. Pues de pronto ya hoy mi vida como es actualmente. I would say to end this like how my life is right now is great. I have my family, my roasting business in Bruselas with the farm. We are planning to have like a garden of different varieties from around the world. I have my coffee shop in Pitalito and in the farm also I am establishing a dry mill so we can dry mill our own coffees and export them and also coffees from growers around us. Para mí es muy importante el campeonato de catadores porque lo promueve. This kind of contests are really important not only for the cup testers who can achieve something in their professional life, but also to the consuming part in a region. Because it's telling people, hey, try this, pay more for this, because it's worth it. La calidad en origen salga de un buen nivel. So you see, I can imagine, I mean, in origin, I mean, even his parents did not really know how important his activity was. They had no idea. And they were coffee growers and they had no idea. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm really happy to see that the producing countries are giving a lot of support and importance to this competition. And you see, in, in his case, I know many other cases like that, once someone wins a competition like this, it opens the doors for many other opportunities within the industry because their skills are being recognized and, let's say, validated, so to say. Yeah. So, Gloria, you've spent a fair amount of time running these competitions in Switzerland, right? I enjoy that activity because the logistics behind <laughs> the cup tasting championships are so challenging. What's it like backstage? The work backstage is really intense and stressful. Preparing the cups uh, for the tasters... If you make a mistake, like filling up a cup with the wrong coffee, that puts in risk like the success of the competition or that round. Tell me, Gloria, have you ever got a cup wrong backstage? Yes. <gasps> what happened? Well, it was at the Swiss uh, Cup Tasters Championship here. Normally we have a list with the coffees we're going to fill in. And I just read it wrong. So I was filling up the odd cup with the wrong coffee. <gasps> So if you hadn't caught the mistake, what would have happened? Well, that's difficult to say, because if nobody would have noticed that mistake, there is no way to prove that there, a mistake happened. So you're saying that if the mistake hadn't been caught, mm -hmm. three cups of coffee? It would have been the same. And so competitors would have tried to distinguish a coffee that wasn't different. Mm -hmm. But they would have made a choice. Yeah, they would have, because that's the competition, <laughs> they have to make a choice. So they have to choose one, oh, one no. cup. And they would have said, this is the hardest round in the world. I couldn't yeah. tell the difference. And then some people randomly get through and some people randomly don't get through. Yes. Oh, that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> what happened to us once 
It was also at the Swiss Cup Tasting Championship. The competitors finished already. So normally when they finish, a runner comes and removes, the, the, not the odd cup, the, the right answer, but the other cups. And unfortunately, the runner removed the cup that the participant chose as the correct answer. Oh, oh no. Yes. So basically they took yes. away the right answer. They took away the right answer. But how did that happen? Because... There are three cups, right, in a row. Yes. And the odd cup out, they lift up and they put above a line. And yes. So then you see eight cups from the eight sets and they're all above a line. And those are the selected cups, which are different. Mm -hmm. But apparently, like, the cup was kind of on the line. Oh. And the person, the helper, did not really realize. It was one of the first rounds. Okay. Yes, but in the end, we could not do anything. Unfortunately, it was not possible to identify which cup would have been the right one. No. So what happened? The participant was, uh, he said, it's okay. I mean. What? It's okay? Yeah. He just ac accepted to lose that point. I mean, <laughs> yes. But that could have been the point that could have pushed him to win. Yes, I know. I know. But uh, he just uh, said it because he didn't want to put the, the helper in, in a bad position, you know. Oh, wow, that's so selfless. It's really selfless. Yes, it's, it is. Well, speaking of the stresses backstage, I spoke with a woman called Chloe King from America who has stage managed cup tasters nationally and internationally and how that helped her in her career. Oh, nice. That'll be interesting. I'm Chloe King. I work at the Counterculture Training Center in Charleston, South Carolina. So I teach people how to make coffee, I train baristas, but I also fix equipment, doing maintenance, all that dirty, greasy stuff. Before I got into coffee, so I dropped out of high school. I didn't want to go to college, at least not yet. So I was like the front desk girl at a tattoo shop. I worked at a Victoria's Secret <laughs> selling bras and underwear. And then I got a, got a job at a cafe. I learned all about coffee and I was like super obsessed with it. And then I got a job at a different cafe and then it just kind of evolved from there. Like being a barista, being a manager, being a trainer. The first time I volunteered at a coffee competition was the SEA Expo when it was still the SEAA. I'm on the East Coast of America and, and Seattle's on the West Coast. So I like had to do that whole trek, which I had never been. Um, and I was really scared and I didn't know anyone in coffee except for a handful of people. So I was pretty much alone. And I remember I would like call people from back home and be like, I don't know what to do. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. And they would be like, just like, you know, go talk to someone. And I actually found some people that like were in a similar situation and we hung out and we had a really fun time. And I made so many friends that by the time I left, I was like, I have to go back about three to four years ago, the stage manager from Brewers Cup called me because she knew that I had been like hosting these triangulation events like at the cafe I was working at. And she said that I would be great for stage managing cup tasters. And she talked me into it and I was really scared. I remember I flew into Reno, which I had never been to. And I had some like altitude sickness too. So I was like out of it. I walked in and I just had this huge open room in a convention center, but my room was just completely empty. I had 
a pallet on the floor with a bunch of boxes taped together. And keep in mind, like, I had never even seen this competition happen before, like, in person. And they were like, you know, here's a list of stuff. You can just go through this box and see what you have and just start to organize the room. And I was like, organize the room for what? Like, I was, like, so lost. Because everyone else is so busy, you know, not to say that they just like threw me to the wolves, but, you know, it was kind of like a test, I think. So I got super into it. I asked for advice. I was like, what do people usually do? You know, does this look right? At this time, we were using coffees from people who were just volunteering to give their coffee to us. And we had to create the triangulations based on that. So that's, you know, bins full of bags of coffees. I think I spent a half of a day weighing out coffee. <laughs> I remember I had like two long tables just covered in Ziploc bags. Teaching volunteers is usually what happens that second day. It's a lot of, you know, we just, we get into our system, we brew the coffee, we pour it into cups at a very specific time. It's kind of like a dance, you know, like we're dancing around each other. The people outside only see like this one little thing and and in the back we're like sweating. And there's a lot to sweat about. To put it into perspective, you basically have to recreate the front stage like in the back. So you have to set everything up like you would set it up up front. You're running from table to table with these trays of hot coffee and you're like almost bumping into someone at every turn. All of the cups have to be filled the exact same amount. Everything has to be the same temperature. I've been concerned that I've made a mistake. And, you know, this is a competition where there's no room for mistakes made by me, especially. So if I think that I poured the wrong coffee into the wrong cup, I have to immediately dump that out, start over, just do whatever you can do. And I would have to, like, communicate that to volunteers. There's like a high level of camaraderie in the backstage. And I feel like by the end of the weekend, I have like six new best friends. It's like, you know, when you're with your coworkers and if you work at a cafe and, you know, you go through like a crazy rush where it's just like chaotic and then you leave and you're like, oh, I feel closer to these people because we experience that together. And you have like inside jokes, you know, because it's not fun if you're not like laughing the whole time, at least for me. I think stage managing for Cup Taster specifically has helped me insane amounts. I have this like confidence with me now that, you know, okay, well, if I can do that, you know, with no experience at all and like just jump into it and fully take on that lead role, like I can do a lot of other things. I think anyone that works in coffee can sympathize that your family or, you know, people are like, why is this a serious job? You're just a barista. And I think that really like validated, oh, this is a real thing that can take you places and can introduce you to people and give you opportunities. Well, that's a great story. I agree with everything that Chloe said. <laughs> you know, the funny thing in that part is that the, I think in that discipline is where the volunteers probably work more than the contestants on the day. Yes. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
And another thing Chloe told me was that she went to Brazil to help organize cup tastes with World Coffee events. And for her parents, that validated her career decision to work in coffee. Nowadays, it's, uh, you can get into the coffee business from so many different ways. And like we said, we, you don't have to be a coffee expert to be part of it. And you can, let's say, open your way into that community, also volunteering. Mm? Right, right. So this is it, right? So what if I'm a barista and I want to get involved in cup tasters? How do I do it? Well, there are many ways you can volunteer. I mean, attending to conferences, exhibitions... And like Chloe did, also helping out backstage in the regional competitions. Uh, or you can sign up for the international competitions as well. We are always welcoming everyone that wants to help us. Always looking for volunteers. Always, always looking for volunteers. That's the special thing about our community, you know? For sure. So, okay, James. Let's do the credits. That's a great idea. So for this episode, we'd like to thank Alf Kramer, Kim Stalman, Jose Joaquin Ordoñez, and Chloe King. And there are many more people who helped out, and we've listed all their names on the SCA website. We should also thank the sponsors. Indeed, we should. So the World Coffee Championship podcast series is supported by Victoria Arduino. Victoria Arduino advances coffee knowledge and innovates across design, technology, and performance to produce machines that nurture coffee professionals' passion for espresso excellence. You can learn more at victoriaarduino.com or give them a follow at victoriaarduino1905. And today's episode on the World Cup Tasters Championship is supported by Da Vinci Gourmet. Follow them on Instagram at davincigourmet underscore Europe or by searching the hashtag WeAreDaVinciGourmet. Tell me, James, who's behind the production of this series? Ah, yes. So this series was produced by me, James Harper, of Filter Productions for the Specialty Coffee Association. And... Gloria, I want to thank you for lending your insights and time to help tell this story about cup tasters. You're welcome. My pleasure. But um, tell me, what's happening in the next episode? Ah, yes. In the next episode, we are exploring a story of latte art. Gloria, remember those latte art patterns, you know, you'd find in the mid-2000s? You know, someone squeezed a chocolate bottle and like drew a flower on top of the foam. That was latte art. That was latte art back then, yes. <laughs> So we're going to explore a story, how we went from there mm -hmm. to what we see today, an entire tropical bird, the Quetzal, drawn using latte art. It is really interesting to see how this competition has evolved in the last years. And we're going to explore some of the reasons why that happened. And along the way, we're going to hear the story of perhaps the ugliest kiwi bird ever poured using latte art, and the story of a competitor who only really won the respect of his mother when she learned that he had won the competition. I guess that kiwi past pattern was poured in New Zealand. <laughs> don't, 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 don't give it away. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to listen to the next episode then. Well, I can't wait to share it with you. And hopefully I'll see you next year sometime during the competitions. Yes, for sure. I'm always around there. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, then I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.